You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Weekly podcast in association with Charles Tirrett. Another fantastic test to remember as England sealed just their third ever series win in Pakistan. Speaking of good things, with Christmas just around the corner, if, like ourselves, you haven't quite done all your Christmas shopping yet, then look no further. Our friends at Charles Tirrett have all your gifting needs covered. Need some knitwear, maybe some luscious cashmere, a shirt or a polo or a little something for a stocking filler like a pair of socks or some boxers? Then either go online to charlestirrett.com or visit one of their stores. I think I could do with one of their scarves after the snow we've had overnight. As always, Charles Tirrett have got our backs. Don't forget to use the code WISDOM22 to get 20% off. Charles Tirrett would also like to congratulate their brand partner, Joe Root, for becoming only the third ever cricketer to score over 10,000 Test match runs and pick up 50 wickets in the Test game. How many third? Yeah, only Who are the third. other two? Callis. Uh, um, work it out. I know the other one. Um, it's Monday morning. Just tell me. <laughs> Steve Waugh. Steve Waugh. Mm. Of course, yeah. Anyway, on with the show. England had only ever won two tests in their history in Pakistan before this tour. Now they've won two in the space of 11 days. I'm Yaz Rana and with me today is Phil Walker and Ben Garner who've both valiantly battled through icy conditions to get to the office. But first, let's go to Mark Butcher to hear his thoughts on the test. Mark, under Ben Stokes, England have been very good at taking 20 wickets across a test match. Um, England seamers did the bulk of the work here in Multan, with the pace of Wood, the skill of Robertson and Anderson. Is that as rounded an England seam attack you've seen overseas for a while? It ticked a lot of boxes, didn't it? Um, and I think the, the the best thing about it was that none of them do anything wasn't outside of their wicket-taking remit, really. And what I mean by that is is something that I've kind of moaned about um, with, with, with captains over the years, in that um, because they, they had perhaps a lack of faith or a lack of... Um, interest in sort of keeping their spinners in the game they would end up using their seam bowlers as um, de facto sort of uh, 
overfillers, if you like. So they'd, they'd end up bowling when the ball wasn't really reversing or bowling at times in the game when, when there was just nothing happening for them. And Ben Stokes just made sure that that didn't happen. So if, if it meant opening the bowling, bowling a lot of spin and waiting until the ball was a little older and, and likely to do a bit of reverse, he would do that. Um, his instinct for when to use every single component of his, uh, his bowling attack was just so, so good. Um, and so part of the reason, obviously, that is, is the skill of the bowlers themselves, because, you know, the, the, some of the dismissals in that final innings, the Anderson, um, Robinson, and then Wood um, stump car we- cartwheeling exercise was, just, was fabulous to watch. Um, so you've got all of the, the relative skills and attributes of those, of those three gentlemen. But the, the thing that made them as potent as they ended up being was the fact that they were bowling when, when there was something happening for them. And the rest of the time, Stokes set them out to graze, uh, didn't put unnecessary overs in their legs, and they were fresh every time he asked them to come on and, and make a breakthrough for him. We had a few questions in about the the high-performance review. So after this series, whatever happens in the final test match, England will go to number three in the world. And just on Robinson, he is someone who is such a product of county cricket, someone who took hundreds and hundreds of wickets in, in Division Two most of the time. He's he's, mm. well, he's ranked number eight in the world, and he's taking wickets wherever he plays. What do you what do you think about the the high performance review in the in the midst of another very successful England Test series? And yeah, well, I suppose it, I suppose the way that they would look at it is that it isn't looming over them at all. That they sort of stand separate from it almost in the, in in their entirety. Um, it, it, the Stokes era has made a mockery about all of the hand wringing around county cricket, particularly the idea of reducing um, first-class cricket and, and, and all the other things that have, have sort of been mooted. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't think it had, I don't think that the review itself would have had any effect whatsoever on the, on the test team anyhow. I think it was, it was almost entirely from the point of view of trying to improve the production line. Um, but even that has sort of been made, as you, as you quite rightly point out, slightly redundant in the fact that Lots of guys sort of making their way in the in the test arena, or guys who have come back into it like Duckett, new new players like Brooke, um, Will Jacks, perhaps even to a, to a slightly lesser extent. Um, Ollie Robinson, as you mentioned, have kind of come almost fresh from that and, and have been successful without anything else behind them. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And it's it's, it's one of those things because of the, the nature of of when those these things come into play. Um, you know, after an Ashes defeat, nearly always there's a knee-jerk reaction to an Ashes defeat, although you could argue that the multiple sackings and changes in personnel at the top of the England team has been the thing that's been the most um, the most productive um, because the players themselves haven't changed a great deal. I, I guess, you know, the, the elephant in the room with it always is that, that the 100 has made the schedule impossible. Now, the schedule was always bad anyway. Um, and <laughs> whatever needs to be done to kind of address that, uh, you know, if the hundred is here to stay, then it needs to be perhaps less blast. I, I don't, I, you know, when I when I was playing, we when I first started, there was a mixture of sort of three day and four day games where I made my debut. So you played twenty two to twenty three first class games, ridiculous. Then of course you went to um, uh, you know all four day cricket, so you play seventeen, still too many. Then with the two divisions, it go down to 16 and you're kind of getting getting somewhere near. Um, and I think the way it is at the moment with 14 is about right. You know, we're living in a, in a, in a country where the weather plays an, an indecent 
um, part in in cricket and, and how much of it you're allowed to play. And I think any time you get slightly less than that, even down to 12 games, you run the risk of losing a lot of cricket to, to inclement weather mm. conditions. Uh, and therefore, players don't get to play enough of, the, of that long format. It is supposed to be the thing that we are that we are most precious about in this country. And you you would imagine that having as little as perhaps ten games of, of first class cricket would not be giving those players enough. Um, when you consider that out of the ten games, the amount of days that could potentially potentially be lost just if you have an average summer. Um, one of the players on that production line that you mentioned is is Harry Brook. That's two hundreds in as many tests now. How good is he? Well, I've said it before, and I will unashamedly say it again. I think he's he's touched with a bit of genius. Um, you know, yet yet to make runs at home in England, yet to do anything outside um, the subcontinent. You would say perhaps in his in his international career as yet, and Pakistan being a particular favourite. But come on, you know, watch a watch a guy play like that, have the range that he has, and have the the sort of almost orthodox technique that he has. And not project forward that he's going to make a lot of runs in international cricket, in which in whatever format um, he, he represents England for. So, you know, I don't think it's taken a massive leap to say that he could end up being one of the great ones. Mm. Um, and just finally, I wanted to hear your opinion on something that Stoke said at the end of the game. So, obviously, England let Pakistan into the game a little bit in that third innings, the way they batted at the start of day three, maybe promoting Jack to number three. Um, Stoke said when explaining that that they always feel a duty to entertain, even if it's not, it doesn't quite make complete sense within the framework of that particular match and the match scenario at the time. What do you mm. what do you make of that? Because not many captains, if any, have ever said that. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of believe, I believe him. I, I I do think that given how cerebral, albeit sort of um, attacking their approach has been, and there's no reason why those two things aren't compatible. I would I would imagine that perhaps a, a conversation behind closed doors about okay, but do, perhaps if we if we were playing against a team whose whose batting lineup was was a little bit less prone to collapse than that, would we have done exactly the same thing or would we have tried to have made sure that we that we put ourselves out of sight a bit further um with so much time left in the game? I would imagine that they would probably do that. But I think that the messaging in public, the messaging for our for our sakes, is not going to change a great deal. That um, that Ashes series next summer is looking uh, increasingly more tantalising by the test. Um, anyway, cheers for your time, Butch. Catch you after the third test match. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joe asks, "Can you our Joe? Not our Joe. Where no. is he? he? He's going to be back on Thursday. And yeah, long time. So it's been a long time. On. I think it's been over a month. Can you throw back to the start of the summer and the captaincy discussion when everyone was reluctantly taking Stokes <laughs> as captain because of lack of any better options? I mean, I was definitely in that camp. I think I said for quite a long time, just give it broad for a summer and see how it goes. Yeah, are you telling me that Sam Billings wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have <laughs> this revolution? Bill, Bill Ball, maybe. Uh. We, we definitely had a, Bill. It's it's eight wins from nine, and again they're 
they're breaking convention in a in a logical way. I thought particularly on that first morning, not allowing Pakistan to be on top despite the threat of a bra was was very clever in hindsight and passing the side. You five can five down at lunch. 180 for five at lunch. 180 for five at lunch. <laughs> which, which is a T score, isn't it? That's what the score should be at T. For the first time, it's becoming a little bit uh, repetitive, isn't it? You know, last week felt like another stage in the revolution. This this week feels like uh, just another you know, continuation of it. You know, normal normal service continuing really. But uh, I guess that that is a change because right. there haven't been many normal wins. But now it, now it's it's embedded. Mm. It's in there now. Also, there was a bit more light and shade than than there was at Royal Pindu, as as, ref, as befits the pitch and reflects the conditions that they were faced with. So. There was a bit more versatility in there, I think. Um, they still went a little bit crazy in the second innings, mm. but you know, two men in the top six run out. I mean, to be honest, with an 80-run 80, 80 lead, they shouldn't have really allowed this game to get as close as it did. That said, I can always hear it in my voice. I'm being a little bit comfortable, a bit, you know, a bit nonchalant about them winning two games in Pakistan in, in a matter of two weeks, as NASA said. You know, we're witnessing a bit of history again. and it, But it's just the latest slab of history across mm. what has been, as we know, totally transformative nine months or so. Yeah, I, I don't want to be a party pooper, but I'm going to be. I I don't think England were that good. They, they didn't play great in this game. Um, no. And England threw away a very dominant position. Uh, Muhammad Ali offers so many hit balls. Fahim Ashraf's not really a frontline bowler. Neither is Mohamed Nawaz and Zahid Mahmood offers you at least one four ball and over. Like, th- I get the history in England not winning that much in Pakistan, but given that pitch, that should have been a routine victory. Yeah, I mean... And the it, opposition. It, it's, it's amazing how quickly we've kind of become sort of a... Uh, immune to this whole thing, you know, like... Um, and you're right, England were, what, six, seven out of ten? And, and, and one, I mean, they didn't win it comfortably. It was obviously close at the end, but they... Uh, had their noses in front throughout just about, I think. Um, uh, yeah, and they, they they threw it away a bit with the bat in that third innings. Um, they bowled magnificently, especially those quicks. Uh, and that's, and, and it was, it's a weird one because I think after the first innings of the game, when uh, Abraham had obviously run through England and all, all 10 wickets had gone to the spinners, and you're looking at England attack thinking like, so they've, well, I mean, they haven't dropped a spinner, but they've, their attackers has a different balance now with the three quicks. They've obviously got that uh, leg spinner on the bench. Um, and you think, have they got the right balance of the attack here, especially with them batting first, so then bowling last? Uh, is, is this going to go England's way? And then it still does. It's, I think it's a mark of how far England have come that uh, this is happening and uh, and we're sort of a bit shrugging our shoulders slightly. I mean, you know what? A win by less than 30 runs at any other point in history, you'd be talking about like one of the great test matches, especially when all the scores are sort of closest together. You're almost having a brilliant Pakistan comeback, really, from 80 runs behind on a turning pitch to, to get that close to a win. Um, and, and yet this this is now just just where where we are. I mean, and actually, when you go through it, is it is it in the top five England wins of the last nine games probably not quite you maybe put the first four of the summer and the first test of this series ahead of it so it's uh, it's somewhere down the rung despite being a, a magnificent test match in its own right i guess mm. phil there's a really interesting segment on sky at one point where nasa saying was trying to explain what england are trying to do because if you go back to that first day stokes plays a ridiculously 
dangerous shot a couple of balls before lunch he tries to take on the mm. deep mid on and very nearly gets caught and they were in the studio, Sky studio they were talking about like what what was he trying to do there and Nasser is doing a documentary at the moment on leadership in sport and he's interviewed Klopp David Brailsford from cycling Paul McGinley the golfer and a common thread in everything people from different sports are saying is the importance of eliminating fear from people's approach Nasser said himself he was a very fearful cricketer but he said that Klopp told him you shouldn't worry about mistakes because even if you try and not make mistakes you're going to make mistakes yeah and that is permeated through everything England are doing at the moment and it's it's just weird to see I wonder if that human instinct will still nonetheless creep in to certain players at certain points in the future uh that said players who have been really struggling haven't appeared to be uh waylaid by by self-doubt Although, no doubt, when Zach Crawley does finally give the interview, probably, you know, if he makes another 100, he's, he's going to give a huge interview at the end of, that seri- end of that series. And he may well talk about what he's really gone through in those darker internal moments. Uh, but, yeah, look, we, we, we fetishise captaincy in cricket, have done forever. And it's not simply because the laurels go to those individuals. It's also because of the peculiarly... Uh, disproportionate impact that a captain can have on a team. But then in the modern era, there is also that feeling that there's so many coaches and so much data around that a captain's impact in test cricket in particular can be slightly subsumed underneath all of that stuff. Well, Stokes has, again, made a life out of it. He just keeps shifting the story around, doesn't he? Bending it to his will. And what we have seen is, is the... The sort of the the unbelievable power that one man's individual one man's individual vision can have on on a collective, uh, and I'm I'm glad that increasingly it's Stokes that is spoken about rather than McCullum. Sure, they come as a pair, the two of them. But I think I think the more you see Stokes on the pitch, the more you realise that this really is his creation, and McCullum has helped him ideologically he's helped him he's like you know he's he's a loyal chancellor next to the prime minister but he's the boss Stokes is is creating this thing as they go I guess there's there's a few things because it's easy to be quite like um uh talking quite broad statements about what England are doing because we've obviously we've talked about how obviously this new way has emboldened the players and it's been good but it's not just been you know mindless slogging a lot of the time there have been I mean you know Stokes is the one player that you can actually look at and say is he going too hard? But apart from that, there has been logic behind basically all of the wins they've done and how they've gone about them. Also, with, with even with the man management side of things, there's been an element of just telling players to to free themselves up uh, and to go out and express themselves. But there have been elements of uh, of light and shade within that and an ability to get the best out of players with sort of more nuanced methods. I mean, there's that story of them, of Stokes and McCullum taking Crawley out for a round of golf and finally getting him to open up over his struggles uh, over a few beers at the end and that was mm. that that's not just telling him to go out and play his shots and because because that can also be if if you're too sort of uh uh you know you're too stuck to that message that could actually be something that could suffocate a player as well if they're feeling like well I don't know if I'm good enough to play my shots and you're just saying go and play your shots that could also not be the emboldening message you hope it is and I think that they realize that there's also the thing that this is kind of in a way this is a continuation of something that we've seen in cricket before I mean we've seen countless post-match press conferences where a team has lost and they'll talk about 
following the process and we just want to go and see if we executed our processes correctly and that sort of thing, not wanting to talk about the result. Uh, and that makes sense because cricket is something probably maybe more than other sports where you can't really control the results. Like if you're a batter, the likelihood is that any innings you play will be a failure. And if you're a bowler, the likelihood is that any ball you bowl will be a failure. So if you're, if you're not, if you're not ready to accept that, then you've yeah. got, you've got to divorce the outcome from the process. But in the past, it's always been the case that while players might have, you know, convinced themselves they're just about the process, it's still a process towards an outcome, which is winning or losing. Whereas with this England team, it really does feel like the process is the outcome. Like the process is to entertain and the outcome is to entertain. And that yeah. actually, whether that's just that they're very, very convincing in delivering the message or they really believe it and whether the case is that the players are sort of, you know, shutting their eyes and believing it or actually are believing it, the effect is is the same that they have managed to pull that off more convincingly than any cricket team mm. ever has really. And, and there's nuance in their approach with the bat as well. So right. on Crawley, do you remember the uh, Manchester Test match when mm. they beat South Africa? Yeah. Crawley played a really important innings at the end of I think, day one batting in a very controlled way. and you 17 and, not out of about yeah. 90 balls. Or and that was a massive, at the end of the game, that was a massive innings. And then also uh, in the second innings, if you compare how Duckett batted in the first innings of this test match to the second innings, he was much more controlled in the second innings. The field was out and he dialed down the risk quite a lot. Um, so same with Brooke and he mm. acknowledged that actually because he, he got man of the match slightly iffily, I thought. Uh, but he'd obviously played a stinker of a shot um, in that first innings and was big enough to say that was a shocker and, uh, and that was in his mind as he went into that second innings and so I think it's worth us bearing in mind as we do get carried away in sort of trying to deconstruct what the hell's going on that there is a little bit more uh, a little bit more nuance to it it's not immediately obvious sometimes but I think there is and I think as players those two in particular obviously as the newbies in the team as those two learn the ropes a little bit more. I think you will see that as well. You know, mm. you will see players coming up and up and down the gears. There's also just something else just slightly... So something stuck in my mind that Joe Root said said to, to the magazine uh, a couple of, couple of weeks ago, just, or just before the tour. Uh, and he was talking about the reverse scoop shot, which has become this sort of symbol of the era, right? You know, good old Joe doing this. And he said, the thing is... I've just brought this quote up, actually. He says, it looks complicated at the time to be seen to be taking these so-called strange options to be ultra-aggressive, but they're not, he says. He said, that reverse scoop, Tim Southie's bowling six six dump to a 7-2 offside field. He knows exactly where the ball's going to be. There's no one down at deep third. There's only one way, quote, there's only one way I can get out and that's caught by the keeper or slip. So there's very minimal risk to it. There's more risk playing a drive to a 7-2 field than there is doing that. It's safe as houses. Now, okay, you know, <laughs> he's slightly winking at me when he's saying it. And safe as houses is a good trade-off line. But, but that does tap into something. Mm. You know, there is some kind of method am- amongst the madness. And when you see Stokes in the field, that's when it really, really is driven home. Yeah. Just how much thought is going behind this process. I think that win, though, was, was built around the threat of the, the pace attack. Uh, Wood broke the game open late on, 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 on day four. And a few people mentioned that England under Stokes have now taken 10 wickets in all 17 innings that they've taken the field. And I think there are, there are two sides to that. So one is how good the pace bowlers were in this test match, Anderson, Robinson and Wood. Then how Stokes manages them. He really saves them for when there is assistance there. He doesn't chuck them the ball out of desperation. 
Ben, Ollie asks, have we seen enough from Ollie Robinson to conclude that he is Glenn McGraw reincarnate? Um, Robinson now averages less than 20 for England, having played half his test matches in Pakistan and Australia. Yeah, I mean, again, it's an example of how we've been kind of accustomed to this excellence so much that we're maybe not giving it giving it the credit it deserves in these in these last two games, especially when the, the story is England as a whole. You can lose the individual threads as well. But yeah, he's, he's been magnificent in this series and kind of magnificent ever since he came into the uh, into the side. It, I mean, obviously there was that slight drop in Australia, but he was still pretty good then despite struggling with, with fitness and with lots of other stuff at that point. Um, and he yeah, bowled Babar twice in a test match. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think, I mean, from what we've seen of Ollie Robinson, you know, we, we've seen that he has, he's very skillful. He's got, uh, he's got the skills to, to t- take wickets and work out batters in English conditions. And, and in Australia, there's been that, there was that bounce that kind of helped him. But there wasn't like, there was a certain amount of hope that he would be good enough in Pakistan. You know, there's, there was no reason to suggest that he wouldn't be, but also, you know, he doesn't have that pace. Um, and and on these kind of wickets, that can be what you need. You can be, you know, super, super skillful and that just can't be enough. And yet he has found something basically every time he's been throwing the ball. I mean, obviously he's been he's been used cleverly with, uh, with Stokes shielding his seamers to an extent. I mean, he bowled less in this test match than, than Mark Wood and was kind of only employed when it seemed like there would be something there on offer for him but he I mean because that Baba ball was what is his first or second was it in that in that um uh in that first innings like yeah he's he's been a he's been terrific yeah, he really held Robinson back man in the match in the first test match but it wasn't brought on I think it was their fifth or sixth bowler yeah yeah and the same with Anderson in the second as well was was held back as well I mean yeah it's another evidence home thinking outside the box mm. and being quite smart I suppose but yeah Ollie Robinson I guess you're looking now at what else is there left for him to to prove in a way? I mean, it's just a question of how long can he maintain this um, and will there come a point where it drops off? But actually, I think, you know, and there's no sign that Anderson is slowing, but obviously he's 40, it will come at some point and probably weren't quite sure that England had an all-conditions attack leader ready. You know, there's a lot of hope that Chris Wokes would be that guy and he hasn't quite. And Ollie Robinson just kind of emerged basically fully formed uh, apart from you know, the off-field stuff, no on-field hiccups, really, and long may it continue, I suppose. He's 29, isn't he, Robinson? Did we get, did I imagine this? We got a tweet from somebody saying, do we feel like slightly missed opportunity that it's taken so long to Mm. get to this point, especially when someone's so technically, obviously good as he Mm. is? He was a late developer. He he wasn't at 21, 22. On and off the pitch as well, right? Yeah. You know, problems at Yorkshire and so on. But it wasn't as if he was tearing up the county game when he was 21-22. Sure. But the one thing that I think England... And it's difficult because England have lots of good bowlers. But he was around the squad for about a year before he actually made his debut. And I kind of wonder, <laughs> wasn't he make, Wasn't he getting everyone out in the nets? Like, <laughs> but, but that's... The, so the story goes, that's how he got into that first uh, team of the summer last year. That they all rocked up at Lords, and he was just cleaning them up for fun. And the senior players said he has to play. He has to come into this side right now. And I just want to say just briefly on the Baba delivery, the second bold delivery in the series, mm. it did hit a crack. But if you, you're a seamer, yeah, as you understand, his skill level on that particular delivery is through the roof because mm. it's, it's a very, very quick off cutter. Um, and you can see the way that his fingers rip down the, the right-hand side of the ball as well. Uh, and so, yeah, a bit of assistance from a from a road crack for sure. But he is angling that delivery to do that thing. 
Um, and it may have been accentuated by the crack, but that's the skill that he has. I prefer the first one, actually, because in that spell, that was the ball that he swung the most. And that, I think, is controlled. I think he has, he doesn't try and swing the ball out of hope. He has so much control over how much it's swinging in a, a very Anderson way, actually. I'd question of you, Ben, which out of the two uh, Babar dismissals and the Rizwan dismissal, and two was in both things, Leach and Anderson, which which one do you think was the best ball? Uh it's really tough. Pe- people, it's, it also depends on how you evaluate what is a good ball or not. Um, pe- people get a bit sneery about um, uh, dismissals that hit cracks from seamers, uh, as if that's somehow like cheating or it like diminishes the skill in some way. Uh, when like bo- the quick quicks are aiming for the cracks, like people did the same thing to the Stark delivery uh, to Vince. Remember they're saying like, I can't be the ball of the century because it's hit the crack. And it's like, but spinners aim for the rough. And if they hit the rough, and it spins loads. That's because of skill, because they're aiming for it. Uh, but still, for me, the one was the Anderson one to to Rizwan. I think. I mean, it, it's less sort of dramatic in a way, and that you have to almost watch it a few times to see how uh, how comprehensively he's beaten in a way. But um, yeah, that almost because it was slightly more subtle. I think that was the one for me. Just on Anderson, Phil, I was thinking during this test match. So there's a stat that backs this up. Anderson averages less in Asia than he does in England over the last decade, which is a joke. But I think I think he's better in Asia than he is anywhere else because it's where his skill is needed the most and it shows that he, he is more skillful than basically everyone else. Because in England, conditions help everyone, whereas yeah. here, they don't really help anyone. So when he can put it on the same spot every delivery and make subtle changes in, in what he's doing with the ball each time and and he can show that he has more variations than other seamers. Totally. That actually, he, totally. he is more effective there than, than, yeah, than compared in, to other seamers. English conditions is, you know, they're a leveller. They're an equaliser. Uh, I mean, we see it, don't we? You know, we see good, solid, honest county toilers taking hatfuls every year and having good careers. Uh, and you see decent international seamers have good times in England and they don't sniff a game elsewhere around the world. So yeah, it absolutely stacks up that 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 theory. Mm. Um, w- even when he is not especially threatening, as he can be in certain sort of second innings uh, test matches, he just doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> you know, when someone when someone hits him for four, you, you're kind of confused. There's there's a glitch in the program, and so you know he can do the he can do everything that is required. Um, he's also I watched his, was it his first spell? I think it was his first spell on day four. And he was tearing in, really tearing, like he, get, like he did when he was a kid. Sometimes there's a sort of, there's a smoothness to his run up. Mm. Other times he really is tearing, you know, attacking the crease. Um, and it must be an amazing shot in the arm to be playing under the, in this team, this unexpected Indian summer in his career. Uh, and, you know, he is... <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, he's, he's he's ageless. He's a freak, you know. As, as we as we say, as we say every single week, he's he's a one-off. Um, uh, Robinson's emergence might help Anderson. Broad is obviously ticking. You could see he was loving it, but you know, he's very much he's going to be a part of it again in a, in a couple of months' time. He'll probably go on that New Zealand tour. You would have assumed. Um, and the emergence of Robinson definitely helps Anderson. I think because it's not all on him. He is a he's a you know a, a Test match clone of Anderson in as much as he's threatening both sides of the bat and he doesn't go for any run. Mm. It's a good point about the second innings thing because there had been that fear, was it what, last year that Anderson was 
as good as ever in the first innings, but maybe just that drop off in the second innings was the sign that he was eventually aging. And then <laughs> this tour, I mean, he, he bowled a lot in the first innings uh, in the first game uh, and then didn't get that much rest because of how quickly England bat and mm. then takes four wickets in the second. It's just, uh, I know he got, he, he was saved from the new ball, I suppose, which was a little bit of extra rest in his legs. Yeah. But, uh, and, and then, yeah, two weeks again in this game, in the second innings, I mean, which just, uh, he's almost, it's, it's, he does seem like he's almost fitter now than he was even like a year ago, which is, uh, which is extraordinary. And I think Anderson and Robinson, they didn't actually bowl that much in this test match. They're going to be absolutely fine to go again for, for the third one. Um, and just, just on Mark Wood, Ben, he, he was, he was really, really good. I mean, Pakistan only needed 60 odd with five wickets in hand and it was Wood that, that gave England that shot in the arm they really needed. Yeah. And I guess that's exactly what he's in the team for. And it was, it was weird actually, you know, in a way this, um, this test was, this pitch was not the kind of pitch that uh, England expected when they came to Pakistan. That was more like the first test pitch, but the attack worked the way they intended it to. Yeah. Uh, even though it, it kind of, it should have worked a different way. Like the spinners should have been more in the game because of how much it was turning. And yet, even though, uh, I know Leach took four first in his wickets and we'll, we'll come to him. But even though it was kind of the pace who were the more threatening, it was still the fact that they had those bowlers to bowl sort of the long spells enabled them to come in that quick right mm. in the test but yeah yeah wood is wood is is amazing and it's just you kind of just got to enjoy uh every test that you get with him i guess i mean he might play the next game or he might not and then if he does that who knows if he'll make new zealand or if England will save him for for the ashes but um yeah he's, he's developing especially since he came back to the side in what in 2019 a very good record across all formats right so that's it so he's a double world champion yeah he took the wicket that won the ashes at in 2015 Trent Bridge yeah. in 2015 uh but look if he can and he will feature at some point next summer in what is going to be hopefully a sensational five game ser- series and then he has a good chance I think of of completing a marvelous international career even if he only plays 40 test matches or 45 test matches and whatever it a few few more white balls mm. you know a, a cricketer like that is unique um, I mean, we call Anderson a physical freak. Mark was more of a physical freak. I mean, <laughs> you know, I've met him. You, you sit and have a coffee, coffee with him and you, you think he's just like your mate down the pub. He bowls it faster than anyone alive. He, he hit, what, 97.5 yeah. yeah. miles per hour in this game? He's won five, five point something Crazy. KPH. Yeah. Um, my my favourite wicket of his, if we're doing lots of favourite wicket things, yes. uh, was the uh, was actually the Mahmood one. Uh, yeah. The first innings? No, no, no. The second one, the second innings actually. So oh, right, when he cleaned him up. It just yeah, felt completely yeah. inevitable, basically. Like, the end of the previous over, Salmon had hit the two fours. And you're sort of thinking, like, Paxton are back in it. And then you think, actually, they really wanted a single or a three there. It's a full over of Wood at Mahmood. And I would be absolutely shocked if he gets through this <laughs> way. He's kind of playing sort of beside the ball kind of thing. And then, yeah, it just... Mm. Uh, didn't look like he had a hope, really. Ben, how smug were you feeling on that first morning after you predicted that Abrar Ahmed would probably go quite well with his googlies attacking the England stumps? Yeah, well, <laughs> it seems like I'm the only one who can pick him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, to be fair, it didn't take. I mean, I just I'd seen a highlights video and watched yeah watched a little bit of him. Like that's that that was the extent of it. And think that if England are going to try and hit someone, someone who if you miss is definitely going to hit the stumps. That was a lot of what it was. I didn't expect him to be that good, actually. Um, like a, a mystery spinner, you kind of think they might come in, make a splash, and then they might get worked out. Obviously, there's there'll be that to an extent. Um, and it was it was interesting. He's because he's he's really uh, inexperienced overall, 
Uh, he's only played four Pakistan Super League games. He's obviously played only 14 first-class games, I think. So, and, and even then, there won't be like that high-quality footage from the Kaidi Azam trophy to allow England's analysts to sort of say, this is what he's doing. And already that was happening by lunch break. You'd see they're saying, you know, if his little finger's in this position, then that means it's the googly. If the ball's that bit further back, that means it's the leg spinner. Um, so there will be to an extent that people will be able to figure out what's coming. But the thing was, is that he wasn't really bowling. I know he went for quite a few runs, but only because England were really attacking him. I don't. He wasn't bowling that many loose balls on that first day. And he was able to spin it both ways. He bowled a lot of googlies, but almost maybe the one that turned most was that leg break that got root LBW. And beauty. Yeah. And, and even when England were like, right, we're just going to try and play him out. Like when Stokes like was bowled past the outside edge, trying to defend his googly and it was just, it was just too good. And you, that so might have been ball of the match. Yeah, actually. <laughs> you, you can you can know what's coming down, but if it's if it's that accurate and if it's if it's turning and uh, and you know you've 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 got you've got enough about you and you're not bowling bad balls in between, then mm. there's not a whole lot you can do. I was I was he was he was amazing. He was uh yeah really 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 good and beyond even uh, what I expected, which was which was about <laughs> watching the f- the finish with a, a bra uh, giving it the long handle. I think got up to seventeen or eighteen in the end. Uh, he took wood for three fours and an over as well. And I think at that point they needed about 35-40. And my instinct is for England. Mm. But I was I was leaning to a Pakistan win, right? Because in the end, we talk about this stuff in years to come and you, you, you graft more mythology onto certain moments in cricket and so on. A Bras match on debut with all the things that Ben's just discussed, these sort of cinematic moments as well. And then for him to come out, he's clearly not much of a batter, let's be honest. I mean, the first four he hit off, I think it was Anderson actually was, you know, wild. But anyway, if he got it, got it and just got it done and 35, mm. 40 odd, that would have been beautiful for the story, I think. And yeah. also for the series as well. Definitely. You know, now the dust is beginning to settle. You know, I'm pleased that England have pulled this, this thing off, but, it's a shame but there's at not a that mo- At that moment, I was I was leaning that way, yeah. you know, for for the for the shits and giggles. As yeah, say. I thought that a lot of the discussion around him on commentary was as if he was a completely different type of bowler. They were talking about oh, w- once England have worked out which ones are googly, that be it. Which is kind of how people talk about mystery spinners in in white ball cricket. But for a start, he's completely different to pretty much every leg spinner I've seen. He's a finger spinner, not a wrist spinner. Mm. Um, and I thought there's a bit of Ashwin in that he's got he's just got m- much more than just two balls. And it was Broad made the point that England were actually picking him quite a lot of the time. But even when they were picking him and they knew what the delivery was supposed to do, he was still deceiving them. You know, if you think of a great off spinner like Graham Swan, for example, the batters most more times than not knew what he was trying to do, but he's still effective. And he's beating batters, not just off the pitch, but through the air as well. I think, yeah, I, I think he's got a huge future potentially. Yeah, the, the the third test, if the pitch is like this one, will be a really big test for, for Zach Crawley as well. Because I think we're yet to see Zach Crawley play uh, the spinners convincingly when the track has offered some assistance. He got that one half century in India, but that was all against the, the quicks. And then the spinners came on and just dominated the rest of the test match and while some of the England batters were out sort of trying to attack and hit Abraham out the attack and then Root and Stokes were sort of defeated by excellent balls and it was a good ball to Crawley and obviously in the first over maybe there's more of the shock factor there but that was the one where you look at anything like he's trying to defend there and he's it's, it doesn't look 
convincing, basically. So that that's the one thing I think that he acknowledges this himself, mm. Crawley, and 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 he's right to. You know, there's certain physiological challenges that the bloke's got. He's massive, <laughs> and that is that is difficult if you don't have much experience playing against good quality spin bowling and uh, and players with lower sense of gravity, uh, center of gravity rather, <laughs> uh, such as you know Duckett then you can, there's more variety, more versatility in the way that they play. And, and obviously you can get down on one knee a lot of the time. Crawley has a similar build to Hick. And Hick used to stand quite tall and play down the ground against spinners. I don't, you know, you very rarely saw him sweep. So he'd stand tall. Crawley will probably, he'll have only really one way of playing against the spinners. And it will have to be that if he is going to attack them, then he's going to have to try and attack them down the ground, I think, with a relatively straight bat. Uh, but, Again, just that, just those those few runs he got in the first innings. Some of the shots he played against. No, sorry, I'm thinking of the the second innings of the first test. That runnable fifty. Some of the shots he played against the quicks. You know, he can send any delivery for four against the quicks, and that is why they play him. He's, he's probably always going to struggle against turning balls outside of England. That'll probably be a story throughout his career, I think. But. That is something they're more than happy to suck up. Uh, his opening partner was brilliant again, Duckett. And it was interesting, he was talking about facing Abra at the end of day one and saying that firstly, that he said they didn't have much video evidence, but he actually wouldn't have wanted much. He wouldn't want to yeah, go I out saw there that. thinking, he would like to have too many thoughts in his head, thinking like if, if this happens, if that's he wants to see the ball as it comes down and plays it. And also, I guess if he is sweeping, reverse sweeping so much, that's supposed to take which way it's turning out of the equation to an extent. And... It's, it's it's I guess it's interesting seeing him and Brooke in the second innings with such contrasting ways of playing spin, I guess. Like, obviously, Brooke has the sweep, but he, in, in a way, he feels like a more rounded player of it in that Duckett has this hyper-specific method that really, really works, whereas Brooke is like, he can come down or he can yeah. play it off the back foot, he can pick the length. Uh, but I guess it's just two ways of, 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 doing, the, of doing the same thing, I guess. D- Duckett said to Joe... The much missed Joe Harmon just before the tour, he said against spin, the reverse sweep is my forward defence. And when I read it, I thought, "Oh, do me a favour." <laughs> but he's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly not just the reverse, but both sweeps, both sides. He plays ninety percent of his shots to a good length ball against the spinners in these conditions is a sweep of some sort. That is extraordinary. He is mm. a master of this shot. Mm. Uh, there's other things to deal with with duck it down the line, but just in and of itself, he is phenomenal on that shot chris asks there is rightly a lot of discussion about how baz and ben have changed the mentality of the english test team but i think the constant tactical tinkering has been every bit as impressive even if i'm not always nerdy enough to understand all the nuances could you guys please try to explain for me why england looked to sweep the ball so much more than pakistan and then a separate question on why Joe Rootball more than Will Jacks in this game when the reverse was true. That's a really good in question. In Thanks ever for the outstanding podcast, which is always the first cricketing podcast I listen to every week. I think it's it goes way back, this one. Um, it's time for some wild national generalisations. Mm-hmm. Uh, up for that, Ben? Yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you grow up in the subcontinent, then obviously you're used to facing slow bowling a lot more than you are in England and elsewhere and in Australia as well. So the risks come into play from a very early age, okay? And you are encouraged to work a delivery that's on off stump through mid-wicket. And that's almost a part of the constitution when you're growing up as a young lad or lass. 
in England, the components are different, the conditions are different, the pitches are different, the properties of the game are different. And so if you start doing that, then you get found out. And the game, you begin against quick bowling in England and seam bowling and swing bowling, and then you move slowly down towards the odd occasion when you face genuinely good spinners who can move it off the straight. Once you get to that point, that's when you think, all right, well, I need to try and find a way to score some runs. And so the English instinct is to get the sweep out because there is a perception that it's relatively safe and uh, it's kind of easier to play than employing those risks in a creative sort of fashion. When I spoke to Simon Harmer about it, he said, the English love a sweep, don't they? And he said it out the side of his mouth, that, oh, you lot love a sweep. And he was talking about how it's either a boundary four or they're blocking to save their lives against him. And the insinuation was clear. If you, if you, if you come from a different cricketing culture, then there's more ways that you can engineer a, an innings and you can, you can use those hands and so on. You can open the face a little bit more. One of the reasons why Joe Root's so brilliant is because he's got all of it. He's got the full lot. He can manoeuvre as well as sweep. Um, you know, you go back to... Dennis Compton was a great sweeper, famous. He kind of pioneered the shot in England. No one had ever really tried it before. Gooch was a great sweeper. Gooch was a great slog sweeper. Um, there aren't too many players, though, who have been re really good for England, with maybe one or two exceptions. Thorpe was useful as a manoeuvrer of a cricket ball. But, but you could name dozens and dozens off the top of your head from Pakistan, from India, from Sri Lanka and so on. But you can only name a few from England. And I guess because... That I was, I almost felt myself being slightly sniffy in the way that um, that you say Harmer was about ducking, playing the sweep shot. And actually, if it works, it should be fine. I guess the risk is on pitches that are a bit bouncier than this one. That's when the sweep becomes slightly riskier because you have to be like, if if you can really reach out and get close to the ball and hit it base, because it bounces, you'll be fine. But if you if if it's keeping low, then you have a bit more leeway. Whereas that's when, if you're like Brook or Root and you can pick the length, then you can. Uh, you can more reliably get on the back foot if you think you can trust it to bounce over or you can come down and hit it right as it bounces. That's when that gives you slightly more options, I suppose. But in, in some ways, it is just two ways of doing a slightly different thing, I suppose. On the Root Jacks thing, I think it's maybe slightly uncomfortable to have to discuss it, but Root is possibly just a slightly better bowler than Will Jacks. Why well, is it uncomfortable to talk about? Well, well just because Jacks is in the side as a... Uh, as a frontline bowler, or at least... Batted three, didn't he? Yeah, sure. Yes, <laughs> but no, yeah. I know what you're saying, but he's, he's a fantasy player mm -hmm. in this side. You know? but, but I think, it, and it's been difficult to work out from, even from watching him at Surrey or from what people have been saying about him, how good people think Jack uh, Will Jacks is or how good he will be. And I think he did, a, a, a just, and even though he got that six from the last game, I know he got stick for saying, not giving enough credit for it, but I think that they are recognising that actually... Did we? Just as a... A, a, a tiny little bit a tiny little bit we, we addressed it on the we are on very the Wednesday fragile pod. though aren't we <laughs> yeah. j j just as a pure Ospin bowler Root bowled very well uh, especially this morning that mm. dismissal of Fahim Ashraf was a really nice one and uh, England aren't afraid to they're, like they're not afraid of seniority in that way you know they'll give the new ball to, to, to Ben Stokes if they think that that's the right way to go and relegate James Anderson happily and they will give the ball to Joe Root if he is the Ospin having a better day and that's what happened in this game and, and so maybe from that point of view it means that Will Jacks can take it not as badly as you might another spinner in his second test match who is being relegated below the part-timer I suppose is, is there a little showboating element to to some of this some think? of so, some some of Stokes's 
grand grandstanding. You know, Jack's at three. He'll take the new ball. Anderson bowls fifth change, whatever it is. I <laughs> well, don't know. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there because I'm tired. I reckon people might think that elsewhere, right? If people are yeah. listening in from yeah. Australia in particular, and I keep coming back to them because they were doing this stuff a long time ago, not to this extent, but they were doing this a long time mm. ago. Eyes will be rolling, right? Don't you think? Yeah, in more, definitely. in more, you know, slightly more battle-hardened parts of the cricket. Well, world. We, we, the fact that we haven't really discussed just chucking Jacks at three—that was that was kind of crazy, right? Like Jacks has never batted in the top three in his entire career, and then what fourth ball against a guy who got seventh for in the first innings? He tries his huge slog mm. sweep, mm. kind of just because they, they could. And, like <laughs> there wasn't really much more to it than that. Yeah, and 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 the latest Stokesian seminar after the game i've got some quotes here wherever we go in the world we want people to enjoy the cricket and the more we can do that and i keep saying it the more we can do that the more test cricket stops being spoken about like it's the losing form of cricket because it's definitely not and he talks about the bigger picture and these are all stirring lines important lines uh but again there will be a few people down in down in melbourne you Mm. know thinking all right all right wind it in wind it in a little bit yeah we were trying to go at four and over 25 years ago (laughs) I think it's and it's actually the Australian players have been remarkably reserved I think about basball on the whole and I think it's it seems to really have uh, Steve Steve Smith made a a comment about it didn't he did you know yeah it was after the one of the New Zealand test matches I think he said well you know see how he goes against Stark and Cummins on a quick one yeah and 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 South Africa there will be that South Africa is still a bit irritated by it during the summer like Razzie van der Dussen did an interview last week really uh, where, where, where he said uh I know they beat us 2-1 sort of by innings and nine wickets but it didn't really work against us is uh is, then, is, then he, he said it. um if there's anywhere in the world uh, that you would play like this it is Pakistan and then goes I know you, your next question is going to be why didn't you guys do that against Pakistan and that's a fair, fair point how do you think Leach went he passed 100 test wickets which not that many English spinners have done his overall record compares uh, decently against other English finger spinners of the last 35-40 years there's a brilliant delivery to dismiss Rizwan but Pakistan were also fairly comfortable against him and on the final day especially I thought Root was probably more threatening uh yeah I think that's all that's all fair um and it's it's strange because we sort of feel like we know what we should expect from Leach a guy who will keep it tight who his his his, his strength should be keeping it tight and he might not run through teams when it is a bit more helpful I know he's got those excellent returns when it was really spinning in, in Sri Lanka and India but is he sort of he's I think he's not the spinner who was going to sort of defend in the first innings and then really come into the game in the second innings. If he's doing one thing more, it's defending in the first innings. And that can be fine for a team. I guess, yeah, the slight worry will be that he didn't really defend in uh, in either innings here or, or in that in that first test, actually, as well. In, the, in that first innings, he also got um, uh, got take. I mean, I know everyone did, but he was among those to, uh, to be quite expensive. Um, I mean, yeah, and I'm, I'm torn on whether I think England will stick with him. I guess there's a few things they could do and they will feel they might have a bit more freedom now that they're 2 up as well. Like, do they bring in Rian Ahmed for Will Jacks, considering what you said about um, Joe Root and Will Jacks as off-spinners? Or, uh, and then would that mean Rian Ahmed batting at number seven? Would they see that that's something he could do? Do they just back the top six to make the runs? Possibly. Or do they think, let's just see if Rian Ahmed can do it as England's premier spinner? That might also be something they, they do. It might also be that the, the fast bowlers how they pull up sort of uh, dictates that decision somewhat. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, and Leach 
wasn't wasn't awful by any means. Pakistan have, have played him quite comfortably, but as we've said, they are they have some very good players of spin, and he still did take four for in the first innings and did uh, and you know bowled some excellent balls at times and got in some wickets. So, mm. Phil, do you reckon Rahan will play third Test match? I've got a feeling he might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, I think we said it after the first game uh, that if England do win this second one, then it does free them up to have a look at the lad. It would be very very Stokesian to do it so yeah and and there's there's a legit case to be made for it you know Jack's had a quiet game I can't remember exactly how many overs he bowled but it wasn't many I think maybe like four and four and four or something like that Ron's got a first class 100 batting him at seven is not ridiculous no f- for sure for sure uh so yeah it's 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 possible I'd love to see it I think mm. we all would really um and again because of this team and as Stokes has said again in that longish interview he gave at the end of the game because there is so much variety and versatility in that bowling bowling attack and even if Rayan Ahmed only bowls a dozen overs across a whole test match then you know that's all good everyone's happy about that there have been shades of, of this game not of the first game but of uh, England series win in, in Sri Lanka at the end of 2018 like having so many bowling options that you can sort of just shuffle your attack continuously and eventually one of them will come off uh, they played quite dynamically with the bat in that series as well also just like the the, the scores as well that was good uh, that was a 3-0 series when we're all the games were were quite close and this this just felt quite a lot like that basically um and and Rian Ahmed as, as a sort of all-rounder would, would fit into that style I guess mm. um before we go on another plug for our recently launched limited edition pure wool cricket sweaters which Ben is about to hold up in front of our YouTube viewers the sweater was designed by British specialist Crystal Knitwear who are the official supplier of wool cricket sweaters for all MCC teams um, there's only limited stock available, so don't miss out on the perfect Christmas gift for any cricketer this year. Phil, there was a shot that Harry Brook played in oh, the second inning. don't even have to describe it. That made me swear very loudly at the TV, but in a good way. Um, I think anyone who's watched the, the highlights will, will know which, which shot I'm talking about, the way he hits Mahmood through extra cover to a ball that pitched outside his leg stump in the rough. Feel with Pope, who's played thirty odd Test matches now. I feel like his talent and array of shots almost burdens him. He doesn't know what to do with it sometimes. With, with Brook, it totally liberates him. What do you mean by Pope there? I think Pope doesn't know which which shot to play. He's got so many shots that he can play. He he's yeah. I, I don't think he often knows which one to play. With with Brook, there's a more clarity. I've, he's got all the shots as well, but there's more clarity in in, in which ones to use at certain times. Yeah, possibly. Um, yeah. I kind of got ahead of myself with Brooke in this in this game. I was like, "Well, I mean, what, what I, I, could he what, what could he achieve?" Well, I called him future England captain mm. last week. Um, stick by it, by the way. Mm-hmm. There's ramrod logic to, behind that one. Um, by the end of Ashes away in two two winters time, he'd have played 35 Test matches, barring injury. He's going to be in the side because he's too good not to be. Uh, and Stokes might say that's enough. Mm. And then he would be the overwhelming candidate for the job. The other one would be Crawley and the other one would be Pope. I know who I would prefer to to run that team. He's got that alchemy of charisma, confidence, innate belief. And you see it in the way that he plays. Uh, I like the fact that he doesn't really celebrate his hundreds. You know, he knows what he's doing. he's, He's got the sense of the stage, I think. Normally with England cricketers, especially with young batters, they're very eager to please you you know, to demonstrate that they're good, clubbable kids and all of that. Brooke seems like 
he just does it on his own terms. Mm. And as soon as he came in that white ball side, he just did it on his own terms. Uh, Stokes was talking him up when they were playing, I think, Northern Superchargers or whatever. And they were playing together. And he said, before he played a game for England, he might have actually played one of those West Indies T20s. No, yeah, it no, was no, even before, no, before that. that. Okay. And he said, he's, the boy's going to go all the way in all formats. He's going to mm. go all the way. This was before he, as you say, before he played for England. He was saying it again this evening, um, as in the evening out there. <laughs> Still morning here. Um, and comparing him to Virat Kohli. So, you know... No pressure. <laughs> if, if we're getting carried away, then, then, then the boss has yeah. got to have a word with himself as well. Yeah, I mean, I think we compared him on the show before as a T20 player to Suryaku Mayadav because of uh, how he can hit, not, not just hit 360, but do it to a range of deliveries and with a certain, what seems like a lack of premeditation, he can play the shots over, over third man without scooping, which is uh, almost unique among English batters. And he's another one uh, a bit like... Um, was it was it Ben Duckett was saying that you you can lose or or like Mark Wood like you can lose the individual narratives within the sort of the whole England thing and you can just forget how remarkable it is for a young batter to come in to Test cricket and look disassured this quickly like two hundreds in a series win in in Pakistan that that's something that like if 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 that had come from a you know from one of the greats of the game that would be something that would be held up as something that was a uh, you know really bolstering that legend you know if that that's that's that, that that's that's real proper stuff and i'm not you know obviously brooke is not yet on, on that level but we might well come back and look at that and being like even at the age of 23 he made 200 a series win in pakistan that that's that's remarkable that's not something that is normal and we should recognize that it's not that mm, I, call, I called him up for batter of the series before the series starts well done phil it's my smug moment of the um week. ben there's a big moment on the final day when sword shaquille who was brilliant again um, dismissed for 94 he, oh how he, unlucky is that kid as well mm, I mean he's been a proper fighter I, I, heard, I heard Butch who may well be saying it to you in a minute as well but saying oh, just let it go leave it be you had them you had England right where you wanted them but how many players do do that really when the ball is there on the, you know outside the line and you just naturally just put, throw your hands mm. at it you think it's a freebie and oh, my heart really went out to the kid because mm. as you say he was brilliant I thought um, it's a relatively controversial decision though because he gloves it behind the Pope soft signal was out and after an eternity Joel Wilson the TV umpire had judged it out do you think it was the correct decision Ben and do you think the soft signal is a nonsense so there's there's quite a few things to work out here I guess there, there, there's this thing that people discuss with like foreshortening and stuff and I think people use this quite a lot to say that basically any low catch should be out and I've said before that I kind of think that most of the those, those those low catches do actually hit, hit the, the ground. ground. Yeah. I always think it's possible for for your fingers to be under the ball and for the ball also to be on the ground. I think those two things are both possible. And to me, actually, it does just look like it hits the ground. Uh, and when it comes up, you can see there's a finger of, on Pope's glove that has some strapping on it. Uh, and you can see that's the one that's kind of under the ball as he comes up with it. But you can also see uh, on the slow-mo that that's kind of pushed out to the side at one point as the ball is on the ground. So I personally think that it hit the ground, but there was also quite a lot of weird stuff being said about the soft soft signal as well, I think on the commentary and then quite a lot on social media and even on some websites, they were saying that the, the protocol around the soft signal has changed, that now it's only only applies when the technology is, uh, is unavailable. And apart from that, the TV umpire just comes to his own decision. And this is one of those, I mean, I've said this before, but if you think that there is something that is in the rules you'll be able to go and find it in the rules. Like the rules are all available and 
they wouldn't have just made a change and no one would have reported on it. And there are no news websites saying that this has happened. No news saying it's happened and it's not in the playing edition, so it hasn't happened. Like this, this is not a rule change that's happened, but everyone has just sort of convinced themselves that it has and then thinks, oh, well, but this must be the way because everyone's been saying it. It's like, no, the ICC can... website might not have updated itself. I went on there a few, a few days ago to, and they hadn't updated their rankings for, for ages, yeah. for weeks and weeks and weeks. We're, they're, they're generally more on the playing editions and also it says updated November 2022 on the, uh, okay. on the playing edition. So yeah, I think, I think they're, they're fine with this one. Um, uh, and soft signals in general, I'm kind of okay with them. I think that, and I think that this decision, although I think that it did bounce, I can also see how it's a marginal one. And in those cases, maybe you do just want to, like, it, it could go either way. And maybe you just want to stick with what someone sees in their first instance there. You want to leave that with the with the umpire. So I'm broadly fine with it. M- maybe I'd be in favour of taking it away for outfield catches where the on-field it umpire miles away uh, from yeah, it. can't yeah. really see it. And that's what the MC have recommended. But the MC are also generally happy with soft signal overall. And I don't think this catch is any less controversial either way if there is or isn't a soft signal. I guess it just gives mm. people a target. If, if he gives it out, then you're going to have Pakistan fans being very angry. And if he gives it not out, you're going to have England fans saying, why are you calling mm. Pope a cheat? You look like you fall shortening, whatever. <laughs> so it's a, yeah. um, It wasn't a great game for the umpires. There's one brilliant bit where Alim Dar and Joel Wilson were publicly disagreeing with each other. Uh, during a review that was great was and, and also because you could only hear Joel Wilson's side of it so you could just see <laughs> Alim Dar's expression did you see this film no on the first morning so it was um, uh, LBW so yeah that was it Duck it, it yeah so Duck it was, uh, was given out out LBW that's right yeah and he uh, he went to and he was sweeping it and uh, and then there was a, a spike as the ball was right next to the bat so Joel Wilson says uh, he says you can go back to the on-field umpire Alim you're going to have to overturn your decision and then you hear no, the spike is next to the bat sort of thing. The spike is next to the bat. It's like, okay, I'll look at it again. And then he goes back and looks at it again. He's like, yes, the bat is next to the ground. So the thing is, it looks like bat hit ground. Sure, yeah, yeah. Ball is next to bat at the same time. So bat hit ground, but ball is next to bat and there's a spike. So we're going to do it. And then Alim does faces he's forced to overturn it. He was not that happy with it. Yeah. And there, there were four overturned decisions on that on that first morning. I think mm. Abra Ahmed was a... Uh, Fooling everyone, not just certain batters. So. And there's a there's a funny moment with Babrizam and Maria Erasmus. Oh yeah, that's great. I presume you won't have seen the the memes of this film. <laughs> uh, just uh, it was on the TV cameras in the in the first test when it was just where Babar happened to be standing with Murray behind him. It basically just looks like Babar's got a very big belly. Right. It's, it's, it's quite puerile, but quite funny. Um, <laughs> and then in the second test, uh, there was a I can't remember which fielder it was that sort of threw the ball in, and Murray had to sort of like move out of the way. Show some quite quick movements, get out of the mm. way actually. And so they're having a bit of a chuckle and then Babo just goes and uh, stands next to Maria Erasmus to, uh, to recreate the thing from the first test. <laughs> Terrific which is nice. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. He's your favourite umpire, isn't he, Phil? By miles. By miles, <laughs> he's incapable of a bad moment. Even when he gets wrong decisions, they're still right in my eyes. Um, and, and just, just finally on, on Pakistan, um, did they get their team selection right? Of the two test matches, I still don't know what Salman Aga does. Um, Mohamed Nawaz and Fahim Ashraf are neither top six batters. He played nicely fun. in the first test, didn't he? <laughs> he made a nice nice 50 in the second innings. Yeah, yeah but, 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 but what's his role in the team, I think, is the is the odd thing. I, I So it was weird because I kind of, I quite like a lot of those players. I, I, I think that Salman Aga looked quite good. I think Fahim Ashraf often makes quite a big impact. Uh, Mohamed Nawaz is also sort of quite a, you know, he's quite a canny bowler and is a useful batter. But you looked at the team when they picked it, it's like they've somehow feels like they've got less batters and less bowlers than they did in that first test. And and how has that happened? I mean, they still have left Hassan Ali and Mohamed Abbas. Uh, I mean, they're not even in the squad, but there's no reason why they couldn't just call them up. And they haven't done that. And Mohamed Ali does not look 
Like he, a, he must be better than this. Yes. To, to yes. average 24 the ball of first class yeah. cricket, yeah. but he has not bowled well. Yeah. Um. So there's that. There's all. I mean, it was also Ramis Raja who. I mean, there might be other things he's doing in Pakistan cricket, but lots of things he's saying to the media, I don't think can be very helpful to the team. Just, just, and I said it on the pod last week, but the the impression it gives officers of the Pakistan are just so cowed by all these teams that come and just instantly feel like, oh, this this team is amazing. Let's just be like them. And it's like, just just pick a way of playing and do it. And he's now saying that we've seen how England are playing. And it's amazing. So I'm going to tell Babar to pick all the T20 players and do that, which one is not what England have done. <laughs> this is not a team that is that similar to their T20 lineup. And also, who are the T20 players he wants to pick? Maybe Shadab Khan, fine. Uh, I don't think Asif Ali is going to come in and transform this test batting lineup around. You can say Shah Massoud, but you're not picking Shah Massoud because he's a T20 player. You're picking him because he's a, a very good, consistent Red Bull batter. Um, and they've already picked their, their fast bowlers based on T20 form. Like right. Harris Ralph came straight in based off T20 form. Mohamed Wasim's in the squad based on T20 form. Yeah, and they already play T20 cricket like it's test cricket as well. (laughs) Anyway, uh, that is all we have time for today. Cheers, Phil. Cheers, Ben. Um, Thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back on Thursday for a pod on all the other cricket that's been happening in the world over the last seven days. Sports Social Podcast Network.